0: welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at at amazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. And is it good to see everyone? Doing okay? All right, all right, I'm ready for a good time. Well, today I'm celebrating an anniversary of sorts, and it's an anniversary of one of the dumbest decisions I have ever made. Now, I, I grant you that this decision was prompted by a Living Social coupon. It made more sense to me to spend the money on this than not, not to spend it, and it was a Living Social Coupon that inspired me to do something called the Spartan Race. It was about a year ago that I signed up for an eight-mile trek obstacle course where there was muddy hills in Marseilles that you went up and down from, or you carried sandbags through mud pits, and I fell down and got mud in my eye, and you carried logs, and you did rope climbs, and you jumped over fire. And um, I've never pushed myself that hard, my friends. I was done for mile one. Mile one, I had nothing left, and I kept on pushing. During certain parts of the race, I thought my heart was going to explode. I did, and um, it was a sure way uh, of dieting, uh, for during that race, I lost 10 pounds, 10 pounds in one, that's amazing, right, you know, that's a good diet, anyway, um, here's what it looked like when I was done with the race, uh, bring it up, <laughs> now if that's not a picture of joy, I don't know what is, right, and, and you need to know what happened right after that, right after that, my body completely collapsed. Like, it just went, and it was ugly as all get out. And my, my kids were there to witness this, and my kids now, I mean, if I just ask what is the dumbest decision dad did, I mean, they jumped to Spartan Race. I mean, there's, there it is, right? And um, now, grant you, I know some of you might love the Spartan Race, may have been it, um, but uh, I could have trained better, right? Um, I, I could have done more on my own. It wasn't just the race's fault. But after looking at my own dumb decision, I now have kind of a fork in the road. Do I sign up for another one, or do I wash my hands of the case? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to wash my hands of the case. I'm never doing it. You can do the Spartan Race, you know, granted. Go on a team. Well, good for you, but I'm not in it, all right? You ever uh, found out that you made a really dumb decision? You know, it might have been a week after, it might have been a day after, I'm not sure when it caught up with you, but you saw something in your past and you're like, what in the world and why in the world did I ever do it? And really, whenever we find that out, we are faced with the same fork in the road, and that's what I want to talk about. And the fork in the road is this, do we want to be done with our mistakes, or do we want to dive back in? Do I want to learn and be done, put it in the past, never make the same mistake twice, or do I want to dive back in? I mean, some examples. Um... Maybe out of a whim you got a tattoo. Remember a buddy of mine; his brother got one that said "No Regrets," um, <laughs> but it was a tattoo he didn't want to show his dad. <laughs> so I mean that's just ironic. I mean, so anyway, um, do you get one tattoo on a whim, or, or do you do a second tattoo on a whim? I mean, I'm not against tattoos, but maybe you want to put some thought into permanent marking, and and uh, maybe it reminds me of dating, you know, and. Um, you ever, you know, date someone and you, you know it's wrong, like you're on the rebound and the wrong motives and everything's wrong. Are you going to go into another relationship that way? Or, or maybe for you it's spending and, and there's a day, there are glorious days where you just throw the budget out the window, right? And, and you just don't even, you, you just, I want it now. And, but do you get the budget back, right? Or do you get the eating pattern back? One of the books that really related to what we're talking about today is something I brought up before. It's called The Principle of Path. Referred to it before anyone read this book? Consider it? I like it for its premise alone, its big idea alone. And the premise and the idea is that you don't just end up in certain destinations, okay? Whether it's a desired destination or an unpreferred destination, you don't just all of a sudden get there. Rather, the path that you're on takes you there. For example, let's talk about bankruptcy. In general, if you are in that undesired destination called bankruptcy, it was probably a period of reckless, irresponsible spending that could have led you to that place the same is true with relationships. If again you have a bad child relationship or a spouse relationship, it's not that you just ended up in that bad relationship, but day-to-day led you there. Or health is the same matter. You go to the doctor and they say something's off. It wasn't just all of a sudden, but it was your day-to-day activity that led you there. What I'm hoping you might be inspired by is to understand where your life is leading and to pick a preferred destination. To pick a preferred destination and say, I want to be as spiritual as I can possibly be and know more about Jesus. Or I want to have strong relationships. Or I want to be maybe physically fit or or financially free. And understand again where all of this is leading. Today's the day to do that. But with that, we then have to do some self-reflection. I know that's hard work. With that, we have to look at and analyze what are some of the patterns in our lives. And as we do that, what you might find is my big illustration here. What you might find is this garden area that is filled with, what is around the roses? Weeds. And the goal for today is to understand what's happening and maybe just pull out some weeds today. Ready? We good? Turn to your partner and say, hang on. Turn to the person next to you and say, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. All right. Well, today we're actually going to learn from what not to do from Abraham, because Abraham is actually the bad example, and let me set up his story. Abraham, as we met him in Scripture, was told to go to a new land to pack up everything and leave, and as he went, he had this travel idea. I don't know if you've ever traveled with people. Um, whenever I travel, if I'm in the, the passenger seat, I love to be the DJ. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone else DJ here, you know? Or, or maybe if you're in the passenger seat, you navigate, or, or, or you have a travel plan. I'll drive five hours, you drive five hours, and that's our travel plan. Well, Abraham and Sarah had a travel plan, and the plan was that wherever they would go and whoever they would meet, they would tell a lie, that Abraham told Sarah, everywhere you go, just this is our travel plan, tell them that you're my sister. See, what was behind this is that Abraham thought that Sarah was such a knockout, such a beauty, that all the other guys would kill Abraham in order to have her as spouse. That's, that's saying something about the beauty. Um, well, actually, it, uh, it, it worked out. Um, what we skipped early in the lesson, uh, early in his story, is when Abraham and Sarah went to Egypt, and they did this travel plan, and, and Sarah said, yes, I'm just the, the sister for Abraham. And, and what happened is, sure enough, Pharaoh was attracted to Sarah. And took Sarah as a wife, but, but as, she, as he took him, um, the whole camp, Pharaoh and his whole household got a disease. And Pharaoh understood, you were married. And he approached Abraham, he says, why did you lie to me? And he gave Sarah back and said, please don't come back here. And, and they learned from that, but um, today's deja vu. Today we see Abraham do the exact same thing that he had just done with similar results. Ready to get into it? Alright. Genesis chapter 20. We're gonna read the whole account and then we're gonna talk about it today. It says, Now Abraham moved on from there to the region of the Negev and lived on Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech king of Gerar sent for Sarah and took her. Now let me pause here. Does anyone know how old Sarah is right now? You remember? She is ninety years old. She is 90 years old, and she's still so beautiful that, uh, you know, they're concerned that that, that he will die and she will be taken. That's incredible. Whatever product she's using, she needs to sell on QVC. I'm just saying. I mean, that's incredible. Anyway. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now, Abimelech had had not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know you did it with a clear conscience, so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. But now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die." early the next morning. I love that it was early the next morning. Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, and this is all bad. This is all bad, and this is the father of the faith. Okay. I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, a.k.a. your pagan heathen people, and they will kill me because of my wife, a.k.a. your murderers, (laughs) because she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show love for me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham, and He returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah he said, I am giving your brother, he's going along with it, a thousand shekels of silver to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. This is a crazy story. Isn't it? I mean, just the, the lie the first time and then the lie the second time, and, and you wouldn't have learned from it? Well, well, this is what we're going to talk about. May God so bless us to avoid our own experiences of sin deja vu. All right. In the news this week is still the story of Ryan Lochte. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this one. And uh, Ryan Lochte, yes, lost his sponsorship with Speedo, uh, picked up a cough drop sponsorship, and, and also is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Um, I've had time to process the story of Ryan Lochte, you know, accusing Rio and then being found out he vandalized. And here's what I really picked up and was really just curious about when it came to the story. And that is this moment. So we know at this point, Ryan Lochte just had a night of drinking and he himself said he was intoxicated. So why in the world... After being intoxicated, would you go on national television, find Billy Bush, and create a ridiculous story? For me, you know, this makes no sense. And, and again, I've, you know, done senseless things too. But it just doesn't make any sense that after being intoxicated, you'd go on national television and you would think that that was a good idea. Right? Well, here's my point just looking at Ryan Lochte's story. Do you know that sin doesn't make sense? If you try to logic your way out of why you did a sin, it's not going to work. Sin is highly illogical. And that's what I see in the story of Abraham, Abimelech, who had just been duped. And I love Abimelech's character. He actually shows more integrity than the believer. Do you know sometimes unbelievers can show more integrity than believers? My friends, this shouldn't be. But he does. And when he realizes what happened, look at what he asks in verse 10. Verse 10 he says, What was your reason for doing this? Why in the world would you say, she is my sister? Now, all of Abraham's response, again, is bad, but pick up again on verse 13. Verse 13, what does he say? He says, and when God had me wander from my father's household, I said, this is how you can show your love for me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he's my brother. Can you imagine a husband telling the wife, you know, you can show me love we go to the grocery store. Just, you know, don't associate yourself with me. I think it'd go better that way. How in the world is that logical? Or think of all the things that he is uh, giving up. Right now, we know that Sarah is going to have the promised Messiah. Right now, she is probably pregnant if you've been following the story. So Abraham is willing to give up um, that that promised Messiah, willing to give up that marriage, all to avoid what was going to happen, this confrontation. It is highly illogical, isn't it? Even the explanation. You ever notice that in the sin of others? You ever look at your children and be like, I knew that was going to happen. Why didn't you see that? That was where it's leading. Do you ever look at that when it comes to other family members or coworkers? You can see how highly illogical their plan was and where it was leading. But what's interesting is it's very hard to do for ourselves, isn't it? We have blinders on when it comes to our own lives. Other people can probably spot it, but we don't always see. And I think that was the case for Abraham. And how do we get there? I wanted to explore a theory of what was behind the surface of the sin. And to set up my theory of what was really going on in Abraham's mind, I need to tell you about my high school senior trip. My high school senior trip, we went to Six Flags, Great America, and good old Gurney. Anyone been there this summer? All right. That was a time when uh, the Raging Bull was new. I'm old enough where I know Batman was new and all that good stuff. And I'll never forget one of our classmates who brought drama into the whole group. And that's because uh, this classmate was found stealing from one of the gift shops. It was a time where the Dr. Seuss hats were really popular. And he stole a Dr. Seuss hat and some other little trinkets. Now what's really interesting is that the same classmate had money to pay for the things that he stole. So you wonder, why in the world would you try to steal something you could have paid for? Here's my theory. I think it was all about what he could do in the now. It was all about the excitement, all about the adrenaline rush. Could I really get away with it? Maybe it was about proving that he was cooler as he was with a group of other people. I'm not sure, but I think he was caught up in the now. Here's my theory when it comes to senseless sin. That I believe sin is consumed with what's now and shows no concern for what's next. See, whenever we sin, we choose to make a trade. And the trade goes something like this. I'm going to trade a pleasant present, a good present, a fun present, an exciting present for an unpreferred future. Or a future that is fraught with pain or fraught with trouble or fraught with regrets. I'm going to make that trade and trade for what I want now and forego what's going to come in the future. It was true for the classmates. It's true for Abraham. What could have Abraham given up? The promised child who was going to be born. His marriage. I wonder how many times this happens in our own lives. Can you relate to this experience? But I just want to do it now. I don't care. It feels good now. I don't care. Dear friends, this is what we want to be aware of and repent of today. And as we do, we need to look at Jesus. That's why we came. Do you know Jesus was a master for living for the next and not for the now? Do you know if Jesus lived for the now, I don't believe the King of Kings would have ever come to earth. It wouldn't have felt like the right thing to do. If Jesus lived for the now, I believe he'd give up on people. I read the New Testament, how many times he just got frustrated, saying like, the disciples, you still don't get it, or or the self-righteousness of the Pharisees, or the sin of the people. He would have given up on humanity, I believe, if he lived for now. If he lived for now, Good Friday would have never happened. He would have said, "Why should I bear a cross? Why should I be flogged? Why should I be punished so unjustly?" But he didn't live for now, he lived for what's next. And one of the glorious next we celebrate is that after he died, what happened next is that he rose again. And after he died, a great next is that he appeared to the people saying, I truly am alive. And after he died, the glorious next is that he rose to the right hand of the Father where he reigns right now. He bore some brutal nows to win some glorious nexts. One of that glorious nexts is what we have today, which is forgiveness. Right now we have forgiveness. Right now we are free of guilt and shame. Right now we are called the children of God. And this is true if you're visiting today, or if you're watching online, or if you don't call yourself a Christian. Because Jesus bore through some brutal nows, we have a glorious next, which is to be called the children of God, and to live with him forever, eternally. This is the good news. But with that, what we've really come to explore and really want to hunker down in is the patterns of our lives. So we talked about Abraham's sin. This was the second time. This was the second exact thing. The second exact scenario. And we need to really do some work when it comes to patterns. What Abraham do kind of reminds me of some old school technology. Anyone grew up with one of these? Record players? Some say vinyl is still the best way to hear music. But I remember my experience with vinyl is that you could often hear static. And that sometimes the needle would scratch. And every now and then, if you had a a certain scratch on your record, it would just skip and play the same few lyrics again and again and again. And if you've never grown up, if you're like 20 and under, I just want to give you what it was like, that experience. I created a, a, a pattern that sounds with a skipping record. Here it is. this was it the glory days and mom's vacuuming and she doesn't even know what's happening but the kids know the kids wish it would stop right and so we look at abraham's life i'm just going to play it the rest of the time i think and we say you've already done this stupid thing abraham why do it again you've already told this lie it went that way before and now, as we listen, or maybe I'll turn it off if you do the work. What is it for you? What is it that keeps coming back? What is it that when you come to communion, you're always repenting for? What is it that before you go to bed at night, you're always like, "It got me again, God." What is that pattern? You've got to do some self-reflection. I'll turn it off. We've got to understand where these patterns are leading. And right now, do some heavy work. Pick out just one of those patterns in your life and say, God, I don't want it to be this way anymore. God, your spirit is powerful. God, you can give me strength. Figure out what that one thing is. Now, as you have it in your head, hopefully you've determined. Hopefully I gave you time. I want to tell you welcome to the club. I want to tell you you're not alone. I want to tell you no one here is better and no one here is worse. We just have sinful patterns. I know this because of the Apostle Paul. Do you know Paul at one point, he said this, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. The good, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. It just plays over and over in my life. It's like I can't stop it. And so at the end of the day, this place and our hope is all built upon Jesus. And I don't want you to miss that. That at the end of the day, we're always going to have to hear from him. I am your righteousness, and I am your beauty, and I am your hope, and it is through my blood that you are cleansed, and it's because of me that you have glory and me that you have eternal life. We're going to sing always, Jesus, your blood and your righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. We're never going to escape that. But I believe we can make progress. I believe the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that is alive in us. And so what we need to do is we need to get to work on that pattern. And now I have my garden illustration. Are you ready for this? Put some work in. And what we need to do today spiritually is some gardening. We know for roses or flowers or plants to grow, we need to eliminate the weeds. And some of you, I want to talk about your weeds, if that's okay. Some of you might be identifying. And for some of you, that weed is a place. And every time you go to that place, you leave with regrets. And and that place just, for whatever reason, gets your number. And what we need to do is we need to be cautious and realize that that place, no good, and maybe stop going. For some of you, this represents time. And it seems like every part of the day, that there's this one part of the day where you're truly susceptible to a meltdown. And a meltdown's bad because when you melt down, you, you chuck hot lava on everyone around you and you leave with regrets. And so you just need to identify that, that certain parts of your day, you need to be very intentional about. You need to either separate yourself or maybe it's a part of the week. Uh, My my wife and I were learning about the kids going back to school. And we heard this great article that says, don't plan anything big on Friday night. They're dealing with the drama of the new year. Don't plan anything big. Be intentional about how the time is affecting them. And some of you need to realize, that time, I'm just going to operate a little bit differently. Some of you have friends who are weeds. I'm not looking down on them. I'm not saying we're better. But the reality is, you know they're dragging you down. You know when you get together, as much as you love them, they lead you into sin. And for some of you, you need to be more intentional about your friendships. And I have this weed. I don't know if you've ever done this in gardening, but you ever um, let a weed grow just to see if it would bloom because it was really weird looking? So maybe that's what we do with our friends. We we, we remove them for a little bit, but now we're going to put them in their own area. Give them some healthy separation and see if something good grows out of this weird weed. We got to be more intentional about our friendships. Some of you, it's a substance, and it's a substance you know you shouldn't keep buying, shouldn't even pick it up, shouldn't put it on the shelf. And if it wasn't on the shelf, it wouldn't be such a temptation. We got to eliminate that substance. I don't know whether it's alcohol. I don't know whether it's food. I don't know whether it's literally weed. It's a bad joke. Um. <clears throat> but it's a substance. Some of you. It's access. We live in a world of access, whether it be the computer, whether it be TV shows, and that access to inappropriate things leads you down every time, leads your mind in a a not good way. And so one of the things you might have to do is you have to go back and to really weed it is add some restrictions. And You're going to call up the cable company, and you're going to put a a filter on, and you're going to get someone who's accountable to you, And I'm hoping during this process you've done some self-reflection because the reality is once you pull a weed, those weeds will die. We got to starve the weeds. That's what I'm hoping you'll do today. Starve your sin appetite. You know, it's interesting that if you're a diet person, if you've been on a diet where you've given up carbs for a while, do you know you can actually stop the cravings you had for those things? It does happen that after a while, if you just deny it enough, that eventually you can stop the cravings. I believe the same can happen with sin. I believe if we starve it, my friends, not feed it, if we starve it, what can happen in our lives is that the appetite will decrease and hopefully eventually go away. But there's something else I want to do today. See, it's not enough to just weed your garden. brought something else. Good old friend, miracle Grow. Got a little fertilizer here. And you know if you've ever used fertilizer, what a wonderful thing it can be. I use some scots on my grass. And it's a darker color green. And how wonderful this is. Now this analogy in the Kingdom of God could be many things. Of course it is staying close to Him in the Word and receiving the sacraments. But I want to hone in on one reality in particular. One thing that I believe can fertilize your life. King Solomon spoke of it. I'll go to King Solomon, this is what he said. He said two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And I really want to hone in on this. Do you know some of you have been trying to fight your sinful pattern alone? That's what I believe. And that pattern that got you down before, it's too strong for you alone. Two can defend. Two can fight against. Two is really where I think breakthroughs can happen as you walk beside people who love you, who speak God's word to you, words of forgiveness and direction. Dear friends, it's been my experience that there are levels in your sanctified living you will not achieve alone that only happen as you walk with others and you let them in. People you trust, people who can pray for you, and yes, people who are Christians as we follow a common Savior. So what is the second point that we want to do? Fertilize our faith with Christian community. Fertilize it. You know, this point kind of reminds me of the Spartan race again. I got to this section of the race, and um, when I saw that wall, I knew I would not be able to do that wall alone. I'd been done already for a long time. So I was considering um, going around it, and hopefully no one saw that I didn't do the burpees. Um, (laughs) I'd called it quits at that time. But then someone came up to me, and he said, hey, if you just climb, I will lean over. And every time you're feeling weak, you can just lean on my back, and that's how you can make it through and ring the bell. Do you know I actually did that? and I was able to do the wall that I couldn't have done alone when I leaned on his back and I rang that bell. It's a picture of Christian community. Do you know as your pastor, I'm part of Christian community? Do you know I'm part of a pastor's small group? That weekly and monthly I'm calling people saying, this is what's going in in my life. Hold me accountable. Speak God's word of forgiveness and direction in my life. I open up to you. And dear friends, I have other things I could be doing. Sometimes I wonder, should I really make the call? But when I leave, I'm happy every time because of what Christian community does in my own life. Today we offer you Christian community. I'm not sure if this is your church home, but you can get involved even today. And so today we have sign-up sheets, and I really want you to consider your activity in Christian community. We have home groups that you can sign up for, or our women's group, or our starting point group. I encourage you just to consider one of them. Consider how one might be a blessing in your life and fertilize your faith, because here's the truth. None of us like sin deja vu. None of us like doing the same bad thing over and over and over. And I believe there is power in this place and power through the people of God. May God so bless us. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding May it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.